Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Amen. So that's my testimony is that when we are empty nesters, we're going to be just fine, everyone. <laughs> that's, that's my testimony for the day. Amen. All right. Why don't we stand and we're going to go to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 100. And leading up to teaching over the last couple of weeks, I've known that I was going to be teaching today. And um, I knew immediately which is rare, what I wanted to talk about today. Um, So this has kind of been brewing in my spirit for a few weeks, and so I'm excited, um, and we'll, we'll get into it. But Psalms 100 is only five verses long, and I want us to read it together. When you have it, say amen. And it's also on the screen. Psalms 100, verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Let's stop for a second. Say, I'm the sheep of his pasture. Amen. Verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. We're going to say that again. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Can we give him praise this morning? God, I thank you. You are a good God. Lord, we enter into your presence today with thanksgiving. God, I'm thankful to be here today. God, I'm thankful that you woke me up this morning. God, I thank you for all your blessings. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. So I knew that the Lord was telling me to talk about the goodness of God. And I was like, oh, that's easy. I mean, I could talk about the goodness of God all the day long. And I was really excited about it. And I I hadn't written out my notes, but I knew, like, in the back of my head, I know where I'm going with this. Um, And then, earlier this week, my world got a little bit rocked by some text messages that I received. And um, it rocked my faith. It rocked me. And I was like, okay, all right, it's fine. It's fine. God is still good. God is still good. I kind of worked through some things this week. And last night or yesterday morning, I sat down at my computer to start working on my notes. And when I tell you that I battled in my mind to the point where I could not even type, And I sat there, I was like, this is not good. I have got to teach in the morning. But I was battling thoughts and feelings and emotions that I have not battled in three years. And uh, I was like, what in the world? Where is this coming from? 
and I knew I knew kind of where my struggle was, but I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I know God is good. I know this, um, and but I was dealing with some things, and it was just a battle. Anybody ever been there? It's like you know what you know, but then you're like, but I feel this way. Um, and so I really struggled. I got up from my computer, and I was like, all right. So I got me a cup of coffee. I thought, okay, coffee should do it. <laughs> coffee will clear things up. I'm going to go on my front porch, and I'm going to just talk to the Lord with my cup of coffee. So I, I did that, and I sat there, and I had a conversation with him. I was like, God, I know you're good, but I'm kind of struggling with this. Like, and I don't know where it's coming from because I've been good with trusting you with things that didn't happen that I asked you to do. And all of a sudden, it was like God said, all right, Valerie, before you minister to the church, I need to work on you a little bit. And when I tell you he worked me over, (laughs) I walked in the house. My face was puffy and red and swollen because I had cried my face off. And my husband was like, you good? (laughs) It's like, I am now. It took about a good hour and a half, two hours, but I was good. Um, But God, and I I made a phone call to a pastor friend of ours that I said, "I, I need you to talk me through this because I am struggling. And this is just me being transparent with you being honest with you on on some struggles that I had, because a lot of times we get up and say, God is good. God is so good. And he is good, but life isn't good. Circumstances aren't good. And so a lot of times we reflect that on how we view God. And so I want to talk to us about the goodness of God. And I believe with my whole heart, the very first step to really truly believing and knowing and living a life that believes that God is good is we've got to be thankful. Psalms 107, verses 8 through 9, and I'm going to use a lot of scripture today, so just keep your Bible out because I'm going to be using a lot of the word. Psalms 107, verses 8 through 9 says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. I want to take a look at someone in the Bible that we, we talk and teach and preach about, and that's Paul. Some theologians have called Paul the thankful apostle. Out of the 27 books in the New Testament, Paul wrote 13 of them. And these are books that are comprised of letters that Paul wrote to nine different churches in the New Testament and four individuals. In those 13 books and letters, Paul references thanksgiving or thankfulness at least 44 times. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. He's writing to the church in Coloss and says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have for all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you. He's reminding this church, you've got some things to be thankful for. The hope that you have laid up in heaven. 
um, as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God and truth. So he's simply reminding, and this is a theme throughout all of his letters that he's saying, hey, you guys, before we get into any business, we're going to take time to be thankful. Now, this is Paul. This is the same Paul who was shipwrecked in prison, like, all the time. Like, I think he spent more time in jail than out of jail. And he was shackled. He was beaten. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11. It kind of, he talks about the things that he's been through. How many of you could write a chapter in the Bible about some of the things you've been through? 2 Corinthians 11. Well, Paul says, of the Jews, five times received I 40 strips, save one, stripes, not strips, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered, not just one shipwreck, you guys, like one shipwreck would be a lot to endure. This man, three shipwrecks, I think at some point you stop getting on ships, that's just my thing. I mean, like if I went on a cruise and it wrecked and I barely made it out, like I'm not getting on another one. We are staying with our feet on solid ground. Amen. But thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeying, I've had perils in the waters, obviously. Perils of robbers. He's been robbed. Perils in my own, by my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. So his friends and the heathens put him in peril. He was in perils in the city and the wilderness, countryside or the city. He was in peril. He was peril in perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, people he thought were his friends, in weariness, painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings, in cold and nakedness. Beside all those things, he says, also the things that come on me daily, like taking care of all these churches. So we have Pastor Paul here. He's pastoring all these churches. And not only is he under the pressure and the burden of being a pastor of nine churches, you guys. Like, whoo, no thank you. Um, but he, not only that, but all these outward things. He's been, all, he goes through it all, all the perils. all, And yet, Paul is referred to as the thankful Apostle. Paul's very last letter to Timothy was written while he was in prison. He was literally in prison when he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God. Those are some of his first words. He's sitting in a prison. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. From prison, this is what I need us to understand, because a lot of times we have a bad day at work and we think we're persecuted. Somebody cuts us off and we're like, oh, the persecution of the righteous. <laughs> from prison. From prison, Paul writes, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, 
but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with, he's in prison. I'm just going to remind y'all. He's in prison talking about how God has saved us. He's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Let's go to Psalms 107 and 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Psalms 145, 5 through 9. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. I want us to go back to Psalms 100 that we started off with, and I want to break it down a little bit. Verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. And this is where we as Pentecostals, we say that, we're like, whoa, yeah. We take a lap or two, and, and we just get, we, we are good at making a joyful noise. Amen, some of us more than others. But it's joyful, and that means the Lord loves it. It's okay, so just keep making it. Even if you're not in tune, it's okay. It's okay. But verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with glad. Not be served by the Lord with gladness. Now, does he serve us? Obviously, yes. He provides. He does all the good things. But this says serve. The, that means, Lord, I'm here for you to use. I'm here for you. I'm your servant. It's just an honor and a privilege to be able to walk through those doors. God, I am here to serve you. If all I do is open that door for everyone that walks in, God, I am happy to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. This means that I can serve him. I can endure the pressures of life. I can go through some really, really hard things, and I can do it all because when I'm serving him, I can do it with gladness. I'm going to serve him with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. This is where we start to turn towards him and say, all right, God, this is about you. I'm coming into your presence, and we're going to sing. And here in a little bit, we're going to open our service, and we're going to sing, and we're going to come before his presence because he deserves the honor, and that is a great way to show him honor and glory is by singing, even if it doesn't sound good. Verse 3, know ye that the Lord he is God. This is about trust. Know that he is God. You're not God. I'm not God. And that is a good, good thing. <laughs> it is a good thing. How many of you have ever said, if I was God, buddy, I'd take care of business? Anybody else? No? Okay. Well, that's an island up here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you to all you honest people in the house. But it's trusting. All right. You're God. This is when you're going through something that does not make sense, 
all right, God, you're God. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. This is showing that he is God. He knows what he's doing. Newsflash. God knows what he's doing. And I'm going to praise him. Even if my situation isn't good, I'm going to praise him because he is good. And he, David goes on to reiterate this. It's he that hath made us. He made us. You didn't make you. You didn't make God. We live in, you know, that whole new agey thing where you are your own God and you are in control of your life. And that's, it is God who made us. Don't ever forget that everything that you have is because of God. Every blessing, every degree you have on your wall, that ain't because you are just, you were born smart. And there's some people who are, have more genius tendencies than others, but they've worked for that. You don't just come out of the womb knowing algebraic equations. You work hard to learn them. I'm 45 years out of the womb and still can't figure out algebraic equations. So there's just some people who it comes natural. But everything that you have, every blessing in your life is because of what he put in you. If you have a mind, how many of you have a job that you never thought you would have? Like you, this is, you know, I've got a job that I really am not qualified for, or I really didn't think I would ever have this job. That's because God put something in you. And now, obviously, you played a part in it because you went with it, and that's good. But God made you. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Again, this is establishing trust. He is good, he is God, and he knows what he's doing. He's in control, and I'm just here, just trusting him. All right, God, you speak, and I'll follow you. If this situation happens in my life, and it doesn't go the way I think it should go, God, you're God. God, you are God. And then verse, or verse 4 Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. These are the gates. This is where we begin. This is where we're entering into, and this is in reference to the tabernacle. You enter into, before you ever get into the intercourt, before you ever get in to the holy of holies, you have to start at the gate. You cannot get past the gate without thanksgiving. You have to give thanks. And a lot of times when we kneel down to pray, we're like, all right, God, it's me. I'm here. And we go immediately to repentance because we all think, okay, now in order to get God's attention, I got to be clean. So clean it up, Lord, because I have some things I need you to do. That's our mentality. Like, okay, Lord, forgive me for that bad thought. Forgive me for that. Forgive me for this and that and what I said. And for, you know, accidentally hitting that deer and not stopping to make sure it was okay. I'm sorry for that. (laughs) Sorry. That happens. It's sad. Um, You go through all these things of of asking for repentance so that you can get to the part where we ask for God to meet all of our needs. And we totally skip the gate. Here's the deal. Someone said to me recently, a lot of times we go in and we just start off with repentance, but God ain't even in the room yet because you haven't entered into a place of thanksgiving to where he arrives. 
Where does he dwell? He dwells in the praises of his people. That's where he's at. You want God to show up in your situation? You praise him. You give him thanks because he is really a good God. Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And verse 5, this is why. It all boils down to this. For the Lord is good. Why? Not because everything is going great. David, I mean, if you read about David's life, you guys, the guy had some serious problems. Saul was trying to kill him. He wanted to kill him for no good reason other than that he was jealous. And David was anointed, and Saul did not like that, and so he was trying to kill him. David had to run for his life and hide in caves for years, for years. And he's saying, why do I enter into his courts with thanksgiving, or into his gates with thanksgiving, courts with praise? Why? Because the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I want us to stop right here. I want you to lift your hands. In spite of what you're going through right now, I want you to give thanks to God. God, we enter into this place today with thanksgiving. God, I don't deserve any good thing in my life, but God, you have been so good to me. And God, I give you thanksgiving today. I give you praise, God, because you are a good, good God. Come on, can we clap our hands to a good and faithful God. Thank you, Jesus. Paul was so adamant about giving thanks to in his letters to the churches. He wrote to the Roman church about what happens when you're unthankful. Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. He goes through a list, and we, we're probably familiar with a lot of this list, but I want us to look at what causes this. All right, he, he's talking about um, people giving over uncleanness, lust of their own heart, dishonoring their own bodies, um, just turning to foolishness and wickedness. But verse 21 tells us, because that, when they knew God, okay, he's talking about they know who God is. They knew God. We're not talking about the heathens. We're not talking about people who have never been to church, people who have never heard about Jesus. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people who knew God. It says, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. But they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. Look what I've done. I have accomplished this. I have done this. And professing to be wise, guess what they did? They became what? Fools. When you try to lift yourself up above God, you make yourself foolish. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible. In other words, they made God look like they wanted him to look. They made God, who's a holy, righteous God, into something that they thought he should be. And to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, wherefore God also gave them up 
to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. He's talking about sexual immorality here. This all started, why? Because they weren't thankful. They didn't see God as being good because maybe they were disappointed because he didn't do something that they wanted him to do. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is why Paul said, be thankful. This is why Paul, when he's in a prison after being shipwrecked, after being beaten, and all the things, all the negative circumstances, this is why he could say, greetings, Timothy. First and foremost, I give thanks to God. Greetings, church in Philippi. Thanks be to God. Greetings, church. So glad to talk to you, but first, thank you to God. Because he recognized that thankfulness was going to open the door for him. The second thing I want to talk about is that your thankfulness for the goodness of God does not cancel out the fact that you have questions about the circumstances in your life. And a lot of times you think, well, if I'm thankful, that means I can't question anything and I can't have some struggles in my faith and I'm not allowed to doubt. And if I do, then I'm cut off. God's mad at me. He's done with me. Many times people walk away from God because their expectation is that when they start to serve God, that everything in life is going to get easy. They're not going to have any trouble. It's all going to be great. Now, I believe wholeheartedly, I believe 100% that if you apply the principles of the word of God to your life, you will live a better life. You're going to have peace. You'll be able to lay your head down at night with peace when you make good decisions and you base your decisions and your actions on the principles of the word of God. There is blessing that comes in a godly separated life. Huge benefits. One being that what comes after this life. (laughs) You live right. You do according to what God's word says. You're baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, living a life that's pleasing to him. When we get out of here, guess what? My eternity is secure. That's a huge benefit, guys. Because this life is really short compared to eternity. But the problem comes when we believe God owes us nothing but a walk in the tulips and no problems, no struggles, no deaths in the family, no sickness and disease. We interpret God's goodness as a perfect life. And when that doesn't pan out, we walk away from God because surely he let us down. Surely he's not who he says he is. He says he's a healer, but this, this family member passed away or this friend. He says he's a deliverer, but my child is still bound or my grandmother's still bound or whatever. We look at God's goodness by what he does for us. How many of you have ever said, and this is, I've said it, if God never does anything else for me, he's a good God. We said that I think Brother Wilson wrote a song, isn't it? I can't even, yeah, something like, if you never do anything else, you've already done enough. And we sing that, and we're like, yeah, God, but wait, you didn't do this. And I've been praying for this, and you didn't do it. 
but if you never do anything else, but I still have a list. (laughs) I still have some things. God's goodness is not interpreted the way that we interpret God's goodness. His goodness means everything that you face is directing you to the purpose that he has for your life. God's goodness is you're going to go through some stuff, and I'm going to prove it to you here in a minute. You're going to go through some stuff, but it's all part of him directing you to his purpose for your life. And that's where trust comes in, because we have our idea of what our purpose should be. But what about God? What about God's purpose? I'll prove this to you. God, the, I've always struggled with when we talk about Pharaoh and the Israelites. How many of you have ever thought about where it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart? I've always struggled with that. I'm like, come on, God. What's up with that? Like, these are your people. Like, make him do what you want him to do. <laughs> You're God. But throughout all of those times when, when he was like, okay, fine. The Israelites can go. Go ahead. What happens? God hardened his heart. I'm like, why would he do that? It was because he needed to position the Israelites for their promised land. I'm sure I am 100% positive the Israelites questioned. Because, you know, they had to go through those first three plagues. I'm sure they said, God, what's the deal? We're your chosen people. Why are we dealing with the flies and the frogs and whatever those first three plagues were? Why are we dealing with that? I'm sure they questioned it. Don't you think they questioned God even in the middle of the Red Sea? I mean, God does this incredible miracle of parting <laughs> the sea, you guys. That would make breaking national news if it happened today. If all of a sudden, even just the Chesapeake or this little river, what's the river? Patuxent River. Even if it just like split open and we didn't have to cross the bridge because maybe there was a wreck and it shuts the bridge down for five hours on a Wednesday night. That happened. But wouldn't it be incredible? Like God just says, hey, my children go to church still. Here's a way. (laughs) That didn't happen that Wednesday night. But they're crossing through the ocean. The sea is opened up. They're crossing on dry land. And they look behind them. And guess what? Pharaoh's coming after them. Do you think maybe they were like, God, what are you doing? I mean, they're smack dab, literally standing in the middle of a miracle. But they look behind them and see that the enemy's coming. And they're like, what? How many times after they were delivered did they go, we'd be better off in Egypt? They, they irritated me, I'm telling you. Reading about the Israelites, and maybe it's because I know the end of the story. Like, I know, look, guys, if you guys will just trust the Lord and maybe stop complaining all the time, he's going to take you to a place where there's, like, milk and honey flowing. It's great. Nowhere else is there milk and honey flowing. But here's what God knew. God knew that the Israelites would try to cut corners. And they were going to try to take a shortcut to their promised land. And they would eventually end up back in Egypt. So God said, I'm going to have to take you guys the long route. 
I have to take you the scenic route because I'm God, you're not, and I see things from a different perspective than what you see them. Let's look at John the Baptist. If anyone in the Bible was convinced of who Jesus was, it was John the Baptist. John saw firsthand who Jesus was. When he baptized Jesus, he's the one, he baptizes Jesus, a dove descends, and there's this voice that this is my beloved son. Like, he was literally there for that. He didn't hear about it. John knew who Jesus was. In John 1, 29, he declares, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He knew Jesus was the Messiah. On several occasions, John communicated his own unworthiness compared to Jesus. He famously said of the Lord, He must become greater, I must become less. John the Baptist recognized Jesus to be the Messiah, and he had complete faith in him. And Jesus knew who John was. Jesus spoke very highly of John. In Matthew eleven eleven, he said, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Jesus spoke very high. I would love for Jesus to say that about me. Like, sign me up for that. So now let's fast forward. John the Baptist is in prison. It's a common thing among the apostles, prison ministry. And he hears of all the things. He's been in prison for about a year. And he hears of all the things that Jesus is doing. He's healing the sick. He's delivering demon-possessed people. He's teaching. He's doing miracles. John hears about all this. And he sends his disciples to ask Jesus a question. Here it is. Matthew 1, or no, Matthew 11, 2 through 3. Matthew 11. I want you to turn there or bring it on the thing because I want you all to see this. This is John the Baptist. Just remember, John the Baptist, the one who baptized Jesus, he knew who he was. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Are thou he that should come, or should we look for another? John is going, all right, are you? Because I'm in prison. And it's uncomfortable here. I've been here for a year, and if I don't get out, guess what? My head's getting cut off. So John sends his disciples and says, Jesus, are you the one? Are you the, are you the one who is going to do what you said you were going to do? Wait a minute, John, you know who Jesus is. <laughs> you know firsthand that he's the Messiah. You know that he is God in the flesh. Why are you asking if we should be looking for someone else? John's faith is undoubtedly shaken. He's at this point been there for a good solid year, and he hasn't been delivered yet. But Jesus is over here doing, delivering all kinds of folks and healing all kinds of other people. And his faith is shaken. There are going to be times in your life when your faith is shaken. God can handle that. Look at Jesus' response. Verses 4 through 6 of Matthew 11. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again. He's like, I need to remind John. Those things which you do hear and see. The blind are receiving their sight. 
The lame is walking. Lepers are being cleansed. The deaf are receiving their hearing. The dead are raised up. The poor are having the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. It's okay to have some questions. But don't ever forget that God is still good. Jesus is gently reminding John, yes, I am the one. He doesn't get angry at John. He doesn't tell the disciples to go back and tell him, you faithless, sorry excuse for a follower. He simply reminds him of his goodness. He said, I'm fulfilling my destiny. This is what I came here to do. The purpose that I was sent here to do. A lot of times, God is not going to do what you want him to do because it does not align with his purpose for your life. And you have to trust him in that. You have to trust him. It's a matter of saying, God, you didn't come through the way I thought maybe you should. This wasn't on my agenda. But God, I'm trusting that you're directing my path because you have a better plan and a better purpose than I ever could come up with for my own life. It was after this encounter, as soon as the disciples leave to go tell John what Jesus said, Jesus turns to the the congregation that he's talking to, and this is where he says, among them that are born of women, there's no one that's been greater than John the Baptist. Even after John questioned who he was, Jesus said, there's no one greater than John. That old John, I love that guy. (laughs) Here's the deal, though. Shortly after that encounter, John was beheaded. Jesus didn't come through and deliver him. And we've all had issues arise in our life when we have likely said, God, are you the powerful healing, delivering God that your word says you are? Pastor preached about it. Are you really a provider? Because I'm struggling. Where are you, God? We've all said it. And I just want to encourage you that God can handle those questions. He hasn't discarded you. But be very careful that you don't allow the enemy in during those moments of vulnerability. That's why it's so important to just surround yourself with people that will say, you know what, you're right. It didn't turn out the way you wanted, but God is still good in your life. You need people that are going to remind you of the goodness of God. You know, that saying is misery loves company. How many of you, whenever you are in misery, you want everyone else to kind of be there with you? And it irritates you when they're like, but God's been so good to you. It's kind of like, I'm not talking about that. I know he's provided for me and he healed me that one time, but... He's not doing what I want him to do right now. Exactly. Big old fat pity party. We've all been there and we'll probably be there again. But don't ever forget that God is good. Even in our struggle, God is good. Even when it doesn't make sense to me, God is good. Nahum 1.7, I'm going to end with this and you can stand. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says, The Lord is good. He's a stronghold, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him.
I want to read that again. I want you to, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to truly think about this. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. A stronghold is a fortified place. It's a place that you can go to where there's provision and peace. A place of sustenance. It's a place where I can go to find what I'm lacking. And he is good because when there is trouble and when I'm facing things that I don't understand, he is my fortified place. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He provides a place for me to hide when I'm dealing with grief because someone died that I asked God to heal. He is my peace when there's turmoil all around me. I have a place to run to. That's what sets you apart from people who don't have the Lord is that you've got, that doesn't mean you're, having the Lord doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect, but it means I've got a place to run to. I've got a fortress. I've got a refuge that I can run into. Psalms 91.2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. And Psalms 34.8, oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. If you notice most scriptures that talk about God being good and him being a refuge and a fortress, it always goes back to trust. Both of those scriptures that I just read, in him will I trust. And blessed is the man that trusteth in him. God, I trust you. I don't understand it but I trust you. I don't understand why my kids are facing the struggles they're facing, but God, I trust you. God, I don't know why I'm dealing with the mental instability that I'm dealing with, with the battles in my mind, but God, I trust you. I don't understand why this isn't working out the way I've been asking for it to work out, but God, I trust you. I want us just to lift our hands and just tell the Lord, God, I trust you. Here's the deal. God knows what you're going through. He sees the trouble. He sees the struggle. He sees the questions. And he wants you to run into him. He is there for you to run into. God, I pray for every individual in this room right now. God, you know every struggle that they're facing. You know the the doubts, the, the faith that is being shaken up in their lives right now. And God, I pray that you would just pour out your spirit right now. God, that you would wrap your arms around them and you would remind them that you are a good God and that you're ordering their steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And so God... I'm trusting you. I'm placing my life in your hands, and I'm trusting you because you are a good, good God. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.
I'm gonna wait on your ship. 